Welcome to the Dave Squared Podcast. I'm David Kramer coming to you from Northern California. And I'm Dave Blasco from Arizona. Dave and I have been friends since the early 1980s when we were college roommates. We finally found a medium to share our wisdom with the world or at least our opinions. Between us, we have two engineering degrees, two master's degrees, an economics degree, over 60 years of work experience, and we've probably financed our houses 16, 17 times. That sounds about right. And we're making this podcast together to try to help each other and hopefully you, the listeners, save some money. So Mr. Kramer, it sounds like you've tipped the topic off. What's the topic for today? We are talking about refinancing an existing mortgage. Wow, that sounds like super boring. It does, but it is amazing the spread on this, and it would take a little bit of number crunching to decide whether it's worth your time to do it or not. Yeah, um, it's amazing how low interest rates um, are today, and um, I just helped my mom refinance her mortgage because I think it I think it makes sense. We can walk through some details on it, but certainly our listeners should really consider refinancing your your mortgage. Uh, could save you a bunch of money. Yeah, I was just trying to look up a couple of fun facts on a historical basis. Um, I was looking at a, a, a Freddie Mac graph of average um, mortgage rates for thirty-year mortgages since nineteen seventy-one. So, Dave, here's a quiz. What do you think the peak was? If I, I'll tell you the month, I'll give you that. It peaked in December 1981. What do you think the average 30-year rate was? 12%. It was just over 18.5%. Wow, that's amazing. Is that- I was thinking about that time period. That would have been when I was a junior in high school, junior, senior in high school. And I remember taking all my savings from my summer job and putting them in a CD at the Bank. And I forget if it's a year, a year and a half. And I thought I was like so smart, but it was, um, I think it, the interest rate was something north of 15%. Wow. Just, it's incredible. Wow. That is amazing. I cannot, because of compounding interest, I, I can't imagine having that interest rate on a mortgage. Yeah. So I crunched some numbers. The high in the last 12 months was 3.78%. And the most recently recorded one were it today is September 5th, uh, 2020, was 2.93%. So <laughs> on a $250,000 loan, Dave, the monthly mortgage payment would have been at 18.5%, $3,870. Wow. Versus at 2.93%, it would be $1,045. Wow. That Less is just... That's amazing. I mean, it's just amazing that compound interest just. Uh, it is. So your interest in, so I'm going to, let's compare the, the 2.93 to the 18.5, just because that's interesting to me. But your interest in the first month would be $3,854 at 18.5% compared with $610 on the current atmosphere. It just It's mind boggling. It really is. Yeah. And in period 120, right? 10 years in when you're paying a lot more principal and less interest, yep. you would be on the, the uh, current interest rate, you'd be paying $464 in interest. <laughs> and then the 18.5%, you'd be paying $3,772 in interest 10 years wow. into your 30-year loan. Wow. that's Can just you insane. imagine? 
I can't imagine that. I think was I thought you were going to ask me what's the highest interest rate I ever paid on a mortgage, and I believe it was the first house I bought in Ohio. I think I paid. I think it was eight percent. Yeah, I bought that apartment in the, the New York suburbs of New Jersey, Union uh, City. Yeah, I think I, that's where Frank Sinatra was born. Was he? Somewhere close to me. I, could, I think if it's not Union City, maybe one town over. Or maybe Hoboken. Could be Hoboken. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I paid eight, eight and a quarter percent, and I thought I had a screaming deal. Because, um, like you say, we graduated high school, and rates were in the high teens. It was insane. Yeah, those were insane times. Hopefully, hopefully those never come back again. Yeah. So I did some other math, looking at it backwards, right? So if you had made a hundred thousand dollars a year and used, so the, the banks when they're loaning you money, right? I think one of the things they look at is they don't want you to spend more than 28% of your income on your housing costs, right? Mm -hmm. But that's not just mortgage. It includes uh, real estate taxes, utilities, maintenance, right? Right. So if you said you could spend 20% of your income, this is a little inaccurate, but for comparison, 20% of your income on, um, on your mortgage if you made $100,000 a year, which sounds like a middle-class income, somebody you think you should be able to afford, at 18.5% interest, you could afford a mortgage of $108,000 in <laughs> 1981. <laughs> and oh, in wow. September 2020, you can afford a mortgage of just under $400,000, $398,000. It's amazing. I, it's, I, you know, I never had to make those financial decisions. The first house I think we got was 1990 maybe 92 or something like that so mm -hmm. you know like i said i think rate at that time was eight percent you you i think you bought your place around the same time eight and a quarter you said yeah something like that yeah so it's 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 insane and you can see why house prices have gone through the roof uh because what you care about what we care about is how much you pay per month right so right. if right. we keep lowering interest rates it makes a huge difference. Um, yeah. Anyway, so uh, so you just refinanced, uh, helped your mom refinance in the last, what, two months? Yeah, we just closed in less than a month ago. Um, she was paying four and a quarter percent, and that loan goes back to like 2012. I think this is the third loan she's got on that place. Um, and she's she had a couple of properties, so people might ask, "Well, why do you have a loan at that age?" Well, she's got a couple. She had a couple of properties, and she sold sold her other properties. So, the debate was, do you use that to pay off the other loan? If you pay the other loan off at four and quarter, I was looking at things like, do you prepay that thing for some forced savings because you're not making any money on that, right? Uh, principal in the bank today, I think uh, high rate savings were down to like point eight point eight percent, maybe down from like a a percent and a half a year ago. Um, so we decided to, re to refinance. Um, and I think, you know, that for our listeners, uh, it just the same, if you look at it, always look at it. She went ahead and just got a longer term loan. But if you look at it, if you prepaid it and paid it off at the same time, would it save you money? So it saves her like something like 90 some dollars between 95, a hundred dollars a month on that same mortgage. Hmm. And then it's all about the closing costs. So be careful about what your lender wants to charge you for closing costs because it can be anywhere I've read from 2 to 5%. That's interesting. And um, yeah, and things change a bit. 
with the new tax rules since the vast majority of people no longer itemize, right? So it used to be like fees were not deductible, but points were deductible. So you'd have to check and make sure that you were being charged points, not fees, even though the fees were calculated as a percentage of the loan. Yeah. Yeah. She, we went, we decided not to get, um, well, thing one is that her loan is 2.99%, which is super low. I remember back in the day where you had 8% and people want to know if, did you want to buy it down? So basically what you're doing is you're paying money up front to have a lower interest rate and uh, to your point, those points are deductible and have done that before on my income tax, right? Um, but we didn't do any points with this. It was just so low. There's no reason to buy it down. Did you, I was looking at this, of course, as you should do, and it looked to me like if variable rate loans were higher rates than fixed, I don't remember seeing that happen. That's strange. Yeah, I, I don't remember seeing that happen either. Um, we we didn't I, I, we didn't take a look at that um, just because the fixed rate was so low, and and she went with a thirty year mortgage. Uh, we could have gone twenty years. They're, the mortgage companies are much more flexible than they used to be. I think you can. I think they'll even let you pick how many years you want your mortgage to be. But um, the fifteen year was a little bit lower. Um, and I've never done a fifteen year mortgage. I've almost done it, and that's a a good technique. For you know, for our listeners to force you to pay off your house center. So some people, what they'll do, if your rate is high enough today, you could potentially get a 15 year mortgage and, and have the same payment, get it done in 15 years. Now, if, you know, if you're within 10 years of paying off your 30 year mortgage, it's not going to help you out. But if you're at year 20, it could help you out. Huh. Um, so what, I, so the thing I always look at is what are my closing costs that are, that are, that I'm paying the, mortgage company for and then what's the savings and I always look at how quickly that pays off it's one of the things I looked at like so for her loan it pays off in like 54 months or something like that's so a little bit more than four years that, uh, historically I think in my house here we had we had three different mortgages and we refinanced a couple times because rates have dropped from when we moved in but um, that's kind of been my rule of thumb because if you move before that four-year time period you're not making that money back, if you will. This is true. Uh, it is It is a little tricky because you have to look at it both on a value basis, like well, wealth building basis, but you have to pay with cash flow, right? So that's a big difference. And clearly, if you have an 18.5% uh, interest on your mortgage, you should refinance. Yeah. If, if you've been you know, this, let's see, I bought this place in 1996. I think the mortgage was 6% at that point. So if you've not really thought about it since then, you have a 6% mortgage, I'm going to bet you might be able to um, pay your money back in a couple of years. And so if you're going to be in your house a couple of years, it it's, starts making you money after a couple of years. Up, up until that point, you've um, uh, not making any money on it. Yes, and if you are in a situation where you are itemizing your taxes, that makes a big difference because uh, that's a big deduction. And after-tax interest is a big is much different than before-tax interest. Yeah. So I think uh, let's see. My mom's loan was from 2012, so rates back then four and a quarter percent. I think the rule of thumb I've always heard is you got to let it drop a couple percent to make it worth your while. I did the math and. Obviously, um, if, if you have a higher interest rate than four and a quarter, 
it's going to pay off sooner for you. So I think folks should definitely take a look at it. And, and maybe when you refinance, you could do 30 years. Again, I would encourage people to then try to prepay, make some prepayments on their mortgage. Um, but you could look at a lower, uh, a, a shorter maturity, 20 year loan, 15 year loan, that sort of thing. Yeah. So I'm looking at bankrate.com. And they're saying average rate for 30 year fixed mortgage today is 3.07%, right? Which is crazy yep. low. Call it the same as what you just refinanced for. Mm -hmm. A 5 1 adjustable rate mortgage is currently at 3.33%. So mm. it's higher. So that's bizarre to me. So you'd be crazy not to get a 30 year mortgage and pay it down extra if you wanted to. Yeah, I don't. I'm not a mortgage and experts. So that's always odd because always I've seen those kind of other non-fixed time period mortgages generally always cheaper, and that's what um, gets people excited to to get them. Or if the interest rates are higher, they figure they're going to move, and so I think a lot of people get those if they think they're going to move in that five year time period. Yeah, so it's very strange to me uh, the way I always thought of it. There was. When we had the last crash, people who had adjustable rate mortgages, the rates went down, right? Because the, the, the indexes went down. But since there is no prepayment penalty anymore, they're not allowed, um, you'd be crazy not to get the 30-year mortgage. I, I, I can see the argument for a 15-year mortgage if you get a significantly lower rate. But it, uh, like they're saying, a 15-year is 2.5%, 2.54%. So it's a lot more principle you got to pay though so but if you can afford the cash flow it probably makes sense yeah and if you had a higher like say you had a five percent mortgage because you've been in your house since 2008 and you had just had not thought about it it could you could be in a situation where you're paying the same monthly payment but with a shorter duration and if that duration is less than what you at the end of your current duration it, it might be beneficial to you right some force uh, it's almost like a forced savings but you own your house outright sooner Dave, did you use a mortgage broker or did you go straight to your old lender? How, how did you, how did you find your lender? Um, so it's for my mom. My mom is not super price sensitive and doesn't want to mess with these things. So we just went with rocket mortgage. So rock rocket mortgage is huge. Uh, mortgage financing company just went initial public offering. They made it pretty simple just to refinance. Uh, you know, I think if I probably went outside that, I, may might have been able to find closing fees are a little bit cheaper but i'm not sure that it would have significantly change the equation if you will and i think there are some fees that are a little bit cheaper because we're already she was already an existing customer so it was nebulous whether if i spent a lot of time shopping and making phone calls um whether we would be better yeah i think those rocket mortgage guys are going to be hard on uh mortgage brokers um because it's so easy and you don't have to deal with the person yeah, I will say, um, you know, she's had Rocket Mortgage, it used to be called Quicken Loans, so Quicken Loans, Rocket Mortgage. Getting the loan the first time was really easy. They've really revamped their website, so getting the refinancing is a lot easier because I've tried to refinance this before. They've made it, they've made a step function improvement in refinancing, so it was a lot easier this time than, than the last go around. So when you do refinance, it's a, it's a big commitment. It's lots of, you know, six, seven figures worth of money. So usually you have to spend time with a, um, a notary signing dozens and dozens of piece of paper. 
Last time I did it, in fact, there was a piece of paper that says, I hereby certify that I read all of these pieces of paper that I signed, <laughs> which nobody does. You just uh, uh, sign them as fast as you can turn the page. Yeah. Are, did you have to do that with a live notary or, or were you able to do that with uh, uh, e-signatures or Adobe sign type thing? Yeah, it, that was interesting. We, uh, my mom actually, I helped her refinance. We actually did this in June and we went through three closings because we wanted a touchless closing. Hmm. And as you're kind of in the semi kind of business of real estate through the construction side, but the notary public is a, uh, I call it an agent of the state, right? They don't, they don't work for rocket mortgage. They're an agent of the state. They're certified by the state. So long story short, the first two notaries wouldn't do a touchless signing. And we had asked quick and say, Hey, we want a touchless signing, but they don't control it. So finally I, I gave up and think we're not going to be able to do this. And huh. they finally called me back and said, Hey, we want to close in this loan. I said, you guys got to help me out here. You're telling me you do a touchless signing. You have to go pick the notary. Right. Um, and we finally got a notary. My mom literally sat at the kitchen table. She has a big, uh, a window at the kitchen table, like a huge panoramic uh, window. And the notary sat on the table outside and they're literally, you know, two feet away. And I brought the papers in and, and just, um, she had marked word sign. And like you said, it was like, I think it was 25 signatures or initials. It was crazy. Wow. Huh. But that worked out really well. So the, they're cognizant of that. I think it's hit or miss if you're going to refinance your mortgage and you're still, we're still in the COVID period. Just, you have to be brutally like di directive with your mortgage companies that you need to pick the people that actually do this. Cause the notaries are essentially agents of the state. And they would argue with the first couple well, like, would argue with me and say, like, you know, and I get where you're coming from because you are an agent of the state. You interpret the rules differently, but this lady came out and watched her, watched her sign through a glass window. Interesting. Um, hmm. But all, all three of them were planning to come to your house to do it, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we've done that before. Uh, so that's a good point. Um, back in the day, you'd always go to the bank and sign it at the bank. I think um, with the refinancing that my wife and I did previously in this house, they would send the, the notary out. So that's becoming quite common in the last 10 years where the notary travels to your house and will just sit there in your kitchen table and watch you sign the documents, which is really nice. So when you're done with this, you end up with a stack of papers in an envelope that's, well, I don't know, two inches thick, something like that. And you have one for each time you refinance. Do you keep that paper, scan it, shred it? No, I, the only thing I keep are the loan documents. Just what do I owe? What's the period? Because that's the only thing that's important. Um, I don't keep any. That, the big stack goes back. So the notary, she, she took all that big stack back and mailed it back. All we had was the, the I think the HUD statement. The, I think it's HUD-1, HUD-1 statement. So you can just see all the fees and things like that. And I think okay. you're good to go. Yeah. I don't keep that kind of detail. And, and your loan was a, a conforming loan. So it's pretty easy to sell to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. So the rules are set in stone. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Cause you and I kind of talked about this before we decided to do this topic and it was just a, it was a simple loan. In fact, uh, rocket just sent us an email the other day that they've sold the loan to Fannie Mae, I believe. Um, they'll service the loan, but they sold the loan to Fannie Mae. Yeah. I always find it nerve wracking when they sell the loan. I prefer, I, I think I send my checks now to Senlar, C-E-N-L-A-R. And 
it'd be it'd be nice to independently confirm that they are it seems like a good way to scam somebody like oh please send us your mortgage payments now yeah it is confusing um it, the nice thing i think about rocket is is they do the servicing even after they sell the loan so it's kind of nice it's been a con, con um continuity there my mom's original loan on the was was with a company other than Rocket, and I think the loan got serviced by three different people over the span of like six different years. So it was it was confusing. And like you said, she would always ask me about it, and I'd have to look through all the gobbledygook because you're wondering if someone's trying to scam you. Exactly, and if you're even a little bit organized, you've got automatic payments set up, and you don't want to keep sending the money to Citibank when Senlar is reporting you to uh, um, uh, the credit agencies. Yeah, it's interesting. She just closed on the loan. Obviously, I think she signed the papers like two or three weeks ago. And, and every day she gets some piece of mail like hyper important, open now kind of thing. It's just basically people trying to sell you life insurance or some sort of insurance on the loan, which is just a normal thing because it's public record and all these um, scamming companies, I'll call them, uh, for lack of a better word, just send you all this crap in the mail that looks like official and important. Yeah, it's great when they put the what looks like a handwritten note on the outside, right? That says, "Oh, you should look at this." T. <laughs> um, a friend of mine is uh, buying a couple of houses, single-family houses, for rent, and he found a credit union that's with twenty-five uh, percent down, loaning him money as an investment property, and I think the rate was under four percent. Wow, that's pretty good. Yeah, because usually it's a much bigger deal to uh, finance an investment property than your primary residence. Yeah, that's for sure. Interesting. Huh. So those of you who have investment property, time, time to look. Rates are low. It's like you said, geez, I, can't, I can't see them being much lower than these ever in my lifetime. Exactly. Until people start giving you money. Um, well, that's good. But are you considering, would you consider financing I was going to call it refinancing, but you've paid off your house, right? Yeah, we we paid it off um, a few years back because uh, I had some money saved for college and I thought it was better to pay my house off than it was to have that money in the bank um, in, in case some school thought that we should be paying 5% of that or more years at the school. Yeah. I think clearly you should refinance your house to 20% equity and uh, invest in Tesla stock because we've established that it only goes up. It only goes up except for the last three days or so. Um, <laughs> as we talked about before, though, it'd be good. I do have a home equity line of credit. That's and um, so I have that, which is, I think, good to have. So, you know, you can tap on that. Uh, and I've certainly used that like when, when I had, um, you know, my kids are 23 and 27 and I had some cash flow issues. Uh, something like from like 2012 through 2016, I tapped on that to help out. So that's always, if you're a homeowner, it's good to have that. You shouldn't be tapping it to pay to go out to dinner, but it's just, it's there for, you know, some important things. And um, it's, you know, it's three button clicks and you've got money sitting in, in your bank account, right? Yep. I have to admit every time I refinanced, I considered going 15 year fixed to pay it off earlier uh, and get a slightly lower rate. And then I decided, no, I'm going to go with the 30 year and just make, I can make extra payments if I feel like it uh, and then never do and keep, make the minimum payments so I can have the flexibility and have the cash elsewhere. So it's easy to, 
do a calculation, but again, it comes down to cash flow. Um, but it all depends on your opportunity cost of money. And if you're just leaving it in a savings account and making 0.25% per year, or whatever ridiculous slow thing you get paid from a commercial bank, it's hard to argue, but I don't think a commercial bank's even paying that. It's like, it's like it's close to zero. Yeah, it really doesn't seem like it's worth it for them to record it. <laughs> At least they can do it electronically. You know, I, I never did the 15 year. I looked at doing the 15 year loan a lot of times. Like you said, it's a little bit cheaper, but then you, I got worried about the flexibility, right? The cash flow, and you can always prepay, right? Yep. And it's very easy to borrow money when you have a job and you've uh, got a W 2, but that's not when you need the money, right? When you need the money is if you end up between jobs or you have a crisis, and then nobody wants to loan you money. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Um, so if you have a home, you should get a HELOC now because once you're not working, you can't get a HELOC. Yes, and um, yeah, and the HELOC gives you the flexibility going in and out, but you know there's fees involved. So yeah, and, and generally, I mean, if you do it right, if you shop around for a HELOC, it depends on the bank. I remember mine waived the fees. They're trying to get you as a customer. They're, they're trying to get you to pull it out. And so you can generally get a HELOC without a fee and somehow recommend to like waiving the fee if you maybe do an initial draw, put mm -hmm. it. In. And so the there's a fee, but you could do an initial draw, set it in a savings account and pay it back. Now you're going to, you're going to pay for the time value of money on that account. I think you had to keep it open for three months, but it's a, it's cheaper than paying the $75, $150 fee. Yeah. And you and I have already discussed this, but it does seem insane that somewhere a loan underwriter agreed to loan, uh, make a 30 year loan to a woman that's over 90 years old. Yeah. She's good for it. She's My understanding that. is no one has ever lived to be more than 117 years old. That it's not physically possible. So there's no way she could pay it off. She's got credit. Her credit score is somewhere, you know, somewhere between eight, probably ten, and eight fifty or something like that. So yeah, she's got stellar credit. She's good for it. Uh, absolutely. Um, so, all right. Well, thanks. This was interesting. Um, it is a lot of brain damage refinancing. I can't get excited about it. Um, it's stressful. I, I think the thing about it, you can go with your current lender and they're, it's really about the fees because some lenders want to charge like crazy fees and just shake my head, right? You have this great rate, but then your fees are like whacked out because the fees can be two to two to 5%. So that's, that's really where the issue is, what are they charging you for? And it always seems like a ridiculous fees for stupid stuff that ought to be automated, right? So check the fees, listeners, but it's time to do it because today it's what, 3.07? You know, six weeks ago it was 2.99. So I don't think they're going to go much. I don't think they're going to go down further than much than three. So do it now. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, thanks, Dave. It was fun. Uh, we might do a follow-up with uh, a friend of mine who's a mortgage broker, do a part two and get uh, that person's opinion. I'm going to guess he's not a huge fan of Rocket Mortgage. Um, but uh, I think that he deals more in uh, more custom loans where the bank holds them locally. But I uh, got it. Yeah, I don't really have any experience with, you know, um, I use the term jumbo loans or 
large mortgage loans that wouldn't that wouldn't be applicable to the you know Fannie Mae that sort of thing. Yeah. All right. Well, let's wrap this up, and I'll, I'll talk to you again uh, next week, Dave. All right. Take care.